You can be seated. If you were here last week, you remember that throughout the summer we've been doing a series on spiritual warfare, and that ended last week. And that next week, um, our senior pastor, Hal Farnsworth, is going to begin a series on the Gospel of Mark. So that leaves this week as sort of an in-between week to put something in there. And I, I didn't want to do something completely random. Um, so I chose a passage that I think connects well coming out of the passages on spiritual warfare. And I think it answers the question, okay, if we believe spiritual warfare is going on, what does that look like in the life of a believer? In our text this morning, it tells us that it looks like sowing and reaping. Okay, it looks like the pattern of our lives. So as we come to this text, it's in Galatians chapter 5, 25 through 6, 10. And Paul's just finished discussing the fruits of the Spirit. So he just said, hey, these are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the works of darkness. And then he calls them to live by the Spirit and not to gratify the desires of the flesh. So as we dig into this text, I want you to think about these things and pay careful attention to God's Word. Let's read it together. Galatians 5.25 If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. And these next few verses are where we're going to really drill down today. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, you, you know these people. You know me. You know what we need. So we pray that we'd hear from you this morning. That we'd hear spiritual words that would speak to our minds and our hearts. And that you would come in a mighty way by your spirit. And give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. I hope that over the past 10 days or so, you've had a chance to watch the Olympics just a little bit. If you haven't, you need to. It's very interesting. Not only do you get to see sports that you've probably never watched, like badminton, but you get to see some amazing stories. Okay, You get to see the story of uh, the little gymnast named Gabby, Gabby Douglas, who's 16 years old, from South Carolina, who left her family in South Carolina to move to Iowa to train with a world-class coach. 
all the way in Iowa, leaves everything she knows to train and to work hard to win the Olympic gold. And in fact, guess what? She wins. Or Michael Phelps, who's now the most decorated Olympian in history. Or a guy I saw yesterday from South Africa who is a double amputee, and he's running the 400-meter dash in the regular Olympics, not, not the Paralympics. And he's competing at a very high level and doing very well. Amazing stories that you see. And in some sense, I think, there's always, at least for me, a sense of Olympic blues. You watch all these people do these amazing things, you think, man, I, I should have done that. <laughs> but it's incredible. And in each of the stories, you see a very common theme. And that theme is, there's always some measure of talent. Coupled with extremely hard work. They always go together. No matter who you're looking at, no matter the athlete. Nobody woke up last week and said, you know what? I think I want to compete for the gold in gymnastics. It took years of training. Broken bones. A willingness, a single-minded devotion to this one thing. To this one thing. And as the title of the sermon says, there are no magic bullets. Not in sports, not in academics, not in the spiritual life. It's just hard work. And if you notice on the front of your bulletin, there's a quote by Friedrich Nietzsche, who was a, an atheist philosopher. Now you may wonder why I put an atheist philosopher on the front of the bulletin, but I'll tell you that in a minute. But he said this, he said, The essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be long obedience in the same direction. There thereby results and has always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living. Okay, and although I certainly don't agree with his theology, he recognizes this principle of sowing and reaping. That it's not about flitting all over the place and doing all kinds of things. It's about a single-minded heart focused on one thing. He sees the reality of sowing and reaping. However, the reality for us is it, we tend to want the easy thing, right? We want the, the quick, the easy, the thing that doesn't take a lot of effort. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's not really difficult. Okay? Think of the Atkins diet, right? The book that came out probably 10 or 15 years ago. Everybody buys the Atkins diet book. Okay? And we could sum up its message saying, eat as much meat and fat as you want. Trick your body and lose weight. Now, how many people in here think, that sounds really healthy. That sounds like something we all ought to do. But we all bought the book. Or we all bought in the philosophy. Or we, all, we, we thought this is the magic bullet. This is the easy way. And you have all the programs and all the diets and all, all the whatever. But at the end of the day, we all know, what, what does it take? Well, eat less fats and sweets and salts and eat more vegetables and fruits and lean meats and exercise. Now, how many people in this room said, you know what, I just never heard that before. That's the very first time. Nobody. Right? But, and we all know that, but it's just hard. It's difficult. You have to give up things that you don't want to give up. You have to do things that you don't want to do. But there's no magic bullets. And as we look at our text this morning, the same is true for the Christian life. The very same thing is true. There's no secret knowledge. There's no knowledge that, that I have access to as a pastor or any of your other pastors do, any of your other leaders, that you don't have access to. There's no secrets. 
There's just a call that's incredibly hard and incredibly awesome at the same time. From Jesus Christ that says, follow me. And I've never met anybody who said, you know what? I just, I can just pray all day long and it's easy. Or I, I love reading the Bible all the time. There's never any time that I read and I just feel like, man, didn't feel like I spent that time really well. Or that loving people that are hard to love is easy. Or that um, I never struggle with lust. Any of those things. They're all difficult. There's no magic bullets in life. And there's no magic bullets in the Christian life. And this text brings to our mind in a powerful way that what we reap is what we sow. Therefore, let us sow wisely. Let us sow wisely. And this morning, as we dig into this text, you're going to be convicted, okay? There's just no way around it. As we talk through this and as we look at this text, you're going to be convicted of sin in your life. I'm convicted of sin in my life as as I preach this and as I think about it in my own life. But the last thing I want to do is create a tone of beating people up. That what we're about is beating you up here. Because that's really easy to do. But let, instead of conviction leading to fear and despair, let it lead you to repentance and joy. That Christ can wound you in order that you might be healed. That we might walk out of this wanting to grow, wanting to be more like Christ. Because that's where life is. That's where hope is. That's where joy is. And I think we all need to hear this message because... I think there's oftentimes a danger that we can fall into that it goes like this. That as long as I believe that Jesus died to save sinners from their sins because of God's love and grace, that is the entire Christian life. That is it. All that Jesus wants me to do is to believe that message. And that's it. And to believe it in in some kind of childish way. That that's all He wants from me. Now, I'm going to unpack that a little bit. That's what, it, that's what we think sometimes. And, and this message, the seeds for the message grew out of me reading the Gospel of Luke not too long ago. And reading Jesus' statement, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I command? They're like, Jesus, exactly as John said last week, there's a difference between believing in the armor of God and putting it on. There's a difference in... Believing in grace and being saved by grace. And it has a powerful impact in our lives. It changes who we are. And that Jesus actually wants us to do what He says. However hard or painful or difficult that might be. And it is for all of us in different ways. That He actually wants us to follow Him. So let's look at our text together. And as we do, where are you sowing your seeds this morning? Think about that. But first, I want us to see the context of reaping and sowing. And if you look with me at verse 525 one more time. And I included this in the, in the bulletin because I think it provides the context. Where Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. 
And as you read through the rest of this text, when it says, Brothers, if anyone's caught in transgression, it talks about bearing others' burdens, calls us not to become conceited. I think that's an unpacking of living by the Spirit. So when we talk about sowing seeds to the Spirit, we're talking about virtually the same thing as walking by the Spirit. That's what he's getting at. But it all begins when he says, if we live by the Spirit. Okay, if we live by the Spirit. And the very heart of the gospel that I believe and we believe at this church and we try to preach as best as we can is that God saves people by grace. That salvation is a gift of grace. That you can't do anything for it. That it's accomplished by Jesus 2,000 years ago before you ever born or had any idea or thought about it or wanted to be saved or wanted to know God or anything else. That it's by sheer grace that you're saved. Not because you're a good guy or a good gal or because you, you read the Bible. That God in His grace has redeemed us. And that He makes people alive to what Jesus has done by His Spirit so that they receive and rest in the work of Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Cannot add to it or take away from it. It's all in what Christ has done. And we're redeemed only by that. You've got to get that context. That's not where we're going to focus today. But you have to understand the context. You have to understand. I'm not saying up here that um, if you do a bunch of good works, God will save you. That's every other religion but Christianity. That's not what we believe. That's not what we teach. But the wonder of the gospel, the wonder of grace, is it's not about what you've done, but about what Jesus has done. And there's life in what He has done. That's why in Galatians, the heart of the message is freedom in Christ. And Paul says things like this. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery." The language in our text is living by the Spirit. That's what it means. Those who live by the Spirit are those who know God's grace and who've known Christ and been made alive to the gospel and what Jesus has done. So nothing I'm going to say today as we talk about sowing and reaping and as we talk about obedience and following Jesus contradicts that reality. Okay, Nothing I'm going to say goes against what I've just said. I want to be clear about that because I want you to be sure that you get that. Because sometimes it's hard to figure out, okay, I know I'm called to obey Jesus and yet we're saved by grace and how do I fit these two things together? That's what we're going to do this morning. But right from the start, it's by grace alone that you're redeemed. But today I want to focus on the other side of that coin that just as grace saves, grace changes. Just as grace saves, grace changes. The second half of verse 25 says, let us also walk by the Spirit. So in other words, if you're, if you're made alive, if you know Jesus, if He's given you life, then let's walk by the Spirit. Let's, let's live in line with the, with the gospel. 
They're two sides of the same coin. You're free in Christ and you receive the grace of God. But it changes your life. If you receive the Holy Spirit, He's not content to just let you sit there. He's going to be at work in ways that we don't want Him to be at work. But He's going to be at work changing us, molding us, making us into people that God wants us to be. And there's power in the grace of God and the beauty of the gospel. That's why in the very same letter, Paul says things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Or in our text today, the one who sows to his own flesh will from that flesh reap corruption. So in the very same letter, Paul lauds the freedom that you have in Christ. And he comes back and says, you know what? And live by that freedom. But don't use it to gratify the desires of the flesh. Use it to sow to the Spirit. Use it to follow Christ. Use it to know Him. I think, going back to the Olympics, I think a great example of this is talent and work. As I said, there's always a combination. Talent is a gift. Excuse me. Either you're, you're a talented athlete or you're not. God puts that in. Right? If you've ever seen what I think is the greatest movie of all time, Chariots of Fire. If you've ever seen that movie... One of the runners, Harold Abrahams, goes to Sam Musabini and he says, and he asks him to be his coach. And he says, Hey, I'll look at you, but I can't put in what God's left out. I can't make you a great runner. Either you got that or you don't have it. And that's the grace of God. That is salvation. Talent's a free gift, just like God's grace is a free gift that changes our lives. And yet athletes have to work to be great at their sport, right? They have to take that talent and it's evident as they step on the court or jump in the pool or use a tennis racket. Okay, it's evident. When they step on the court, it comes out. In the same way, if you've received God's grace, it comes out in your life. Not perfectly, right? But people are going to see it. They're going to know that you're different. They're going to know that you're not the same. Because of what Jesus has done in your life. In the same way as we talk about sowing and reaping today, those who have been saved by God's grace, their lives are changed. The Spirit dwells in them. And they have the power to change. And the pattern of their lives over the long haul reveals that truth, that reality. So that's the context of that. The context of sowing and reaping is the context of grace. That's the atmosphere in which we operate. There's a God who shows mercy and He brings life because of His love and His grace. But that moves us to sow and to reap. So let's look at verses 7 through 10. Again, if you'll look at your bulletin with me. Here's where we want to focus this morning. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So we saw the context. Now I want you to see the connection between sowing and reaping. The connection between sowing and reaping. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. How might we try to deceive God? Or how might we try to mock God? I think we can do it one of two ways. One is to believe that I can love hell and go to heaven. Okay, that I can love the darkness, that I can live in darkness, that I can, 
I can live a life that's about me and my own glory and my own fame and, and focus on myself and live in sin and love the dark and yet go to heaven. Okay, I had a buddy in seminary um, who, who was talking with a friend of his who lived in Orlando at the time with us. and He was just living the life. I mean, he was out living totally opposed to God. And, and my friend was with him one night, and, and he just kind of said to him, he said, man, I'm, I'm just worried about you. Um, I don't see where you're connecting the dots here, and I don't see, like, I think you're lost. And he kind of said, no, nah, don't worry about it, man, I'll get in. But unless there's repentance, he won't get in. Right? I mean, God, God ain't no fool, right? He's not tricked. He's not, he knows what's going on. He knows what's happening. He sees things as they are. We can't love hell and expect to, to see Christ in glory. God is not mocked. Even if we believe that a person is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, if our lives don't reflect that, if it's not evident, if it's not flowing out, maybe we're not saved by grace. As much as we might believe in that and think it's a good idea or helpful, it may not be like our reality. Right? Similarly, though, I don't think this is the focus necessarily of this text, but it's just as true. There's some of you here who maybe you think God is trying to trick you. You're deceived the other way. Right? You, you are trying to follow Jesus, and you do love Him, and you want to live for Him in this world. But you think at the end of time, God's going to just pull the rug out from under you and say, Gotcha. And that's a lie from the pit of hell just as deadly. Because it freezes you up. It makes you think that God is a wicked father. What kind of father would do that to their children? That's not the father that the Bible portrays. But rather a father who is sincere and real and says, I love you and I always love you. I'll never let you go. So if that's you today, maybe you're the opposite way and you... You think you're under condemnation, yet you see in your life, hey, a pattern of, I want to follow Christ. I want to know Him. I want to seek Him. Don't be deceived. God doesn't operate that way either. Because He knows what's going on. He knows what's happening. Look at verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from that flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So what does it mean to sow to the Spirit and to sow to the flesh? A commentator named Philip Ryken said this, The flesh is the sinful nature we inherit from Adam. The Spirit is our regenerate nature in Christ. These two natures are constantly at war. The works of the flesh are opposed to the fruit of the Spirit, so that impurity, hatred, discord, battle against peace, love, and self-control. Therefore, to sow to the flesh is to live a life that is under the rule and the reign of sin. Whatever seeds... So there can be a person who, who may do some good things, okay? But the overall pattern of their life over the long haul says otherwise. It says, you know, this person really isn't living for the kingdom of God. They're living for the kingdom of whatever else you want to name. 
Okay, so there may be some good works. There, there may, may be what Calvin called civic righteousness. But there's no sense of the gospel, no sense of love for God and love for people over the long haul. You're really giving glory to sin rather than glory to Christ. So to sow to the flesh is to live a life that's dominated by sin, whatever form that sin may take. And to sow to the Spirit is to be led by the Spirit of God, to walk by the Spirit of God. We were talking in the office the other day. In simplest terms, it just means to do what the Bible says. Right? Not to make it more complicated than that. It's just we do what God calls us to do. We're seeking to know God and to follow Him, and not in our own strength, not because we're great people, but because God saved us and He's given us His Spirit, and He said, follow me. So we're saying, Lord, I'm really not very good at this, but I want to follow you. Give me the strength to do it. I'm not pulling on my own bootstraps. I'm not saying just do it. I'm saying look to Christ and then do it. And then follow Him. And then do what the Bible says. And then seek Him. In this text, you notice that in verse 8, it says, For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. There are two destinies there. Okay, corruption is parallel to eternal life meaning it's eternal death. It means hell. And we see in this text those two things paralleling each other. Sowing to the Spirit, reaping eternal life. Sowing to the flesh, reaping death. It's powerful. It's significant. It matters. And as we look at this text... I want you to think about as well the spiritual warfare that we just got done. Um, the series just finished last week. And not only as you think of destiny in terms of eternity, but as you think in terms of right now, right? As you think in terms of this reality of God's grace bringing redemption and God's grace changing me, it, it takes hard work, right? I mean, it's difficult. To follow Christ. But if you want to grow as a Christian, if you want to grow, you got to pray, right? You have to read the Bible. You have to fellowship with other believers. You have to come to worship. You have to be involved in the body of Christ. You, you, you can't grow otherwise. Okay, you, you, just, you can't. Either you'll flounder around and you'll always be swayed by every opinion, or you'll always be, does God love me or not? Or, or you'll always be in the dark. Right? Just as if you, if you never exercise, if you never run, and then you, you set out, like I often do, and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run five miles today. You get about 150 feet into it and think, man, that was a stupid idea. <laughs> right? But it's, it's the same way. It, it, God calls us to sow to the Spirit. And that looks like spending time in prayer, sharing your faith, loving your husband or wife well, loving your children, training them in the way they should go, seeking to honor Christ in every aspect of our life, you know, being here, being involved in the church, spending time with other believers. Are you convicted yet? Right? We're all convicted. I am too as I read that list. I'm like, man, I'm not doing those things well. But that's what God calls us to do. That's the way we grow. 
And there are no magic bullets. And it's hard and it's painful and it's difficult. But it's beautiful and glorious and amazing. That's what God calls us to do. If we want to grow, it takes, as one pastor said, grace-fueled, spirit-powered effort. Believing that God saves by grace. Not because I'm doing these things so I can be saved, but I'm doing these things because I am saved and I want people to know Christ. And I want to know Christ. There is a danger. Uh, One of the most difficult things about preaching is that no matter how earnest or careful you try to be, the people who need to hear law always hear grace. And the people who need to hear grace always hear law. It just happens, right? And, And as we talk about these things, the problem is we all realize as well that we're a mixed bag. Right, that, that maybe we are trying to be faithful to Christ, but what about this, that, and the other? Or, and there are things in our lives that we all struggle with, that we're, we need to repent of and follow Christ, and they're difficult. And, and we see that the, the, the righteous things that I do are often, they're, they're filthy rags, as Isaiah says. And so with this mixed bag of, of people as we seek to follow Christ. But what I'm saying this morning is to look over the long haul. Don't look at last Friday when you got in a fight with your wife and try to judge based on one one day whether or not you're a believer. Right? Look at your life over the long haul. Look at it from the perspective of your entire life. Lord, do I see you operating in my life? And examine yourself carefully, right? Just take a look at what's really going on in your mind and in your heart. I think a great way to think about it is is when someone sits down to play a piece of music on the piano. Unless you're really good, you're probably going to miss some notes. Right? And you're going to get to the piece, you're going to miss a few notes. Some people will recognize it, some people won't. But at the end of the day, we know what piece of music you're playing. We hear the tune, we can sing along with it. We know what's we know what you're doing. Right? In the same way as you walk with Christ, your life sings a song. It gives out a melody. And the question is, what is that melody honoring? Is it, is it honoring Christ or is it honoring the darkness? Right? And so don't, don't get all... Worried about missing a few notes. Repent and keep walking. Right? What you want to worry about is, man, is is this song going somewhere I don't want it to go? Right? That's what we want. That's what we want. We want a song that honors Christ. And from a very practical perspective, I think a great way to do this is... um, is to get with somebody, either your pastors or your, your wife or your husband or somebody you think's a, a strong Christian and just say, hey, be honest with me. Give me some real feedback about where you think I'm at. Wouldn't that be helpful? Both ways. If you're a person who, if you're a person who maybe fears that, that God has left you or, or whatever it might be, you may sit down with your pastor and say, no, you're a Christian. 
right? I'm, I'm pretty certain that you're a believer. Or they may say, hey, I'm, I don't know. But whatever the case, I think that's a great idea. And pray, God, give me wisdom. Open my eyes to see where I'm really at. Help me to understand and help me to see where my heart is. Finally, the last two verses. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Finally, we've looked at the, the context and the connection. Finally, the call to reaping and sowing. Paul encourages us not to grow weary. And there are many reasons we can grow weary. Right? It's, it's difficult. It's hard to follow Christ. It's easy in a certain way, but it's hard in another way. And if we look at our lives, the labor is difficult. We, we don't immediately always see the results. Right? How many times have you prayed for something and, and it didn't happen? Or you prayed for somebody in a way that maybe you prayed that they would come to know Christ and that's not what happened. Or you shared your faith and you were ostracized. Or you did the right thing and it didn't work out good. Those things are difficult. And often in this life we don't see the results we might expect. The results that we might hope for. And it makes it difficult to keep walking, to keep following. Maybe our focus is on this world and we're looking for things in this life rather than the reward in the life to come. I think any of those things can discourage us and, and, and frankly beat us up and make us want to quit. Right? But what does he say? He says... For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. You're going to reap. God, there's a promise that God has given. He says, look, this is as sure as the stars in the sky. I will give you life, and it will be yours, and you will have it. Follow me. It's not uncertain. It's not like the Olympic athletes who train and train and train and train and go to the trials and and don't make it. Because for as many stories as there are of success, there are many, many more of failure. But that's not like the gospel because Christ says, you come to me, I'll give you life. You follow me, you will not be denied. And that promise is sure. It's a crown that lasts forever. Not one that fades away. And as I close today, I think it's pretty evident from this text that that Jesus calls us to follow him because he loves us because he knows that's where life is and he wants us to do what he commands he wants us to sow and to reap and just as Olympic athletes they know and you know if you've ever well you know this whether you're you're in business or you've done sports or music or academics or whatever you know gold medals are won when nobody else is around it's when you're in the pool by yourself and there's nobody else there. It's not on the day when there's a big cheer and everybody's pumped about the USA or they're pumped about China or they're pumped about Japan or they're pumped about Mexico or whatever, wherever it is. It's when nobody else is around and you're working out. In the same way, Christians are not made on one day. They're made in conversations that nobody knows about. They're, they're made in the prayer closet. They're made reading the scriptures when, man, you really want to go to sleep. They're made when you sow to the Spirit. 
and you grow in your faith. And as you walk with Jesus, He'll be with you. He'll encourage you. He'll grow you. This morning, as we talked about our Nicaragua trip at the prayer breakfast, um, Michelle Harris said something I thought was, was very appropriate to the sermon. She talked about the butterfly effect. The effect that the flapping of a butterfly's wing has around the world in the atmosphere. And just the smallest little thing can create a great impact. In the same way, it's the smallest steps towards Christ that He honors and that He takes and makes into something great. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be perfect. Okay, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and, and you know what, this is really easy. But guess what, if you walk with Jesus, if, if you go home today and say, you know what, I'm going to pray from 6.03 to 6.05. God will honor that. And God will grow you. What you sow is what you'll reap. So sow wisely and reap abundantly. Reap eternal life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you for each of these people in this room. Lord, if they know you, would you encourage their faith? Would they sow abundantly? Would they be encouraged? Lord, if they don't know you, would they come to you and find that you are a God of mercy? That you are a God who, who redeems the broken and who makes us into your people that will one day receive a crown of righteousness. Thank you for this time. Pray that you'd be with us in Christ's name. Amen.